Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. And concerns that the gigantic $1.7 trillion government spending bill may jolt the already teetering U.S. economy in a negative way are being felt by experts and lawmakers alike. Just the other day, I had a chance to sit down with Florida Congressman Byron Donalds about his outlook on the U.S. economy as we head into 2023. Not a good one. Look, I think if you look at the GDP report from third quarter, a lot of government spending in there to prop things up. Um, that government spending is going to start slowing down, obviously. The Fed is still raising interest rates. Um, we're in this weird space of stagflation where you really have no growth or you start sliding a little bit, but the inflation is really killing people. It's really hurting pocketbooks. It's hurting poor families. And the sad part is, is that I think we're hitting this part where people are starting to live with the inflation, which is a very dangerous place to be. Because as long as disposable incomes are shrunk, you have to keep up massive amounts of government spending in order for your economy to be quote unquote growing, growing. But families aren't growing, their lives aren't growing, their net worth isn't growing, and that's a real problem for us. Congressman, this is not a rhetorical question. Uh, it used to be that you know you showed two quarters of negative growth, you were in a recession, uh, the can has been kicked forward. When are we going to know if or who's going to be the deciding factor, what is going to be the deciding factor as to if we're in a recession? Uh, first thing is, we already were in a recession. We were in a recession, a very mild one. We came out of it with third quarter GDP. My concern is we slide back into recession next year. Uh, the propaganda from media outlets, and that's exactly what it is, not yours, you guys are good. The propaganda from big media outlets has been atrocious. When you're just blatantly lying or changing the subject or changing the definitions to, to suit your narrative, that doesn't help anybody. It definitely doesn't help policymakers do the right thing on behalf of the people who sent us all to serve. You've mentioned government spending. Are you concerned about what this omnibus bill uh, is going to do to the economy? Yeah, I am. Uh, on a number of levels. Number one, the omnibus spending bill does a couple things. It doesn't give us the ability to get rid of these 87,000 IRS agents because you can only really do that with a spending measure. Number two, it doesn't give us the leverage to secure the border. Number three, we got 10 billion that they want for more COVID-19 money. Uh, for COVID-19 money, are you kidding me? When there's still about another 400 to 500 billion that's unspent, you're going to spend another send another 40 billion over to Ukraine with no accountability, no inspector general, all that is on the credit card of the American people. The politicians, they're not, this is not, they're not spending their money. They're spending other people's money to do the things that they want. And you're continuing the Biden agenda, which has not worked for the American people. I'm very concerned about this omnibus. Now, to the Senate Republicans who are supporting this deal to get a deal done and avoid a government shutdown, what they're really doing is they are crippling the leverage of House Republicans to get the woke stuff out of the military, to help secure the border and get our spending under control. And they think this deal is a good deal. It is not a good deal. And it's going to actually hurt the American people. And I'm not going to be quiet about it. And yeah, I'm talking about Mitch McConnell in particular. He's the Republican leader. It's time to shut this deal down, do a short-term CR. And in the next Congress, we can talk about what funding is going to be, and how we're going to fund the federal government. Congressman, before I let you go, I just want to get your thoughts real fast on FTX and this whole debacle, where you see it heading, more regulation. What are your thoughts? Well, a couple of things. One, the FTX debacle scandal is accounting fraud. 
This is not cryptocurrency fraud. It's accounting fraud. This is no better than Bernie Madoff. As a matter of fact, it's probably worse than what Bernie Madoff did. And what Bernie Madoff did was horrendous. But it is accounting fraud. There was a letter that I signed on to with, with seven other members of Congress about the SEC doing unwarranted investigations past their purview. And so some people are like, oh, you were trying to cover for FTX. No, I wasn't. I didn't even know what FTX was at the time. What we didn't want to have happen is the SEC taking authority it does not have to investigate companies. That should not be happening in the United States. But should Sam Bankman-Fried be held accountable? 100%. Should the donation sent to Democrats be returned? 100%. And any donation sent to Republicans, that money should be returned as well. You have an accounting scandal. They were using QuickBooks for crying out loud, for a multi-billion dollar company. That made no sense at all. The internal controls never existed. You have an accounting scandal. Now, for my colleagues in the Senate, and I'm, this is Elizabeth Warren, but other people who say, oh, we need new regulations, that's actually not what you need because there is not a new regulation that would have solved what current accounting laws already have said about what happened at FTX. The cryptocurrency industry is in its infancy. If it falls apart as an industry, it falls apart. But what should not happen is government putting shackles on this industry before it has a chance to grow and mature. Congressman Byron Donalds, thank you so much. Anytime. And the true state of the U.S. economy still hanging in the balance as the Fed tries to tame inflation by raising interest rates. It's still unclear what the Fed has in store for 2023, but in 2022 alone, they incrementally raised interest rates by four and a quarter percentage points try to make some sense of where the economy might be headed, we're happy to have on partner and portfolio manager at Crestcat Capital, Tavi Costa. Tavi Costa, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this. Tavi, we've talked about this before, the question of whether we're in a recession and what constitutes it. Uh, there's no doubt the economy is in a precarious position, yet the economy did grow at a faster pace than expected in the third quarter. What are some of the key indicators that you're looking at that are maybe cause for concern? Without a doubt, I think investors should be looking at the percentage of yield curve inversions. It's a measurement we calculated back or we really created back in 2018. And, uh, you know, there's many ways to look at this. You can look at independence to look for signals in the markets. But I, when you calculate the overall percentage of inversions in the in the treasury curve which really is all the possible spreads in the treasury curve that you can find just about 45 uh and you calculate throughout history every time we go about uh, higher than 70 percent of the yield curve is actually inverted we see a recession follow uh, we are back in in november we got the signal which was 76 percent and now um, we are at 89 percent so Usually, uh, as I said earlier, independent spreads may give you different signals. Sometimes it precedes a recession, sometimes it coincides with one. Now, the percentage of inversions, actually, it's, uh, it coincides with the downturn in the economy. So I believe strongly we're now entering the phase where we're going to see significant fundamental contraction in terms of corporate uh, numbers in general. Um, and also macro indicators are going to start to uh, show some uh, severe deterioration over time. And so we're yet to see prices of a few. Some of the companies in the stock market still have a lot to go on the downside. You know, Apple, for instance, or Microsoft and some other companies, they're yet, at, you, know, you know, whatever, 50 plus percent 
from the levels that we saw in March lows. And it's very important to look at leading indicators such as the darlings of the last cycle, the ARK investments, the Amazons, and most of those companies are all retesting the March 2020 lows. And I think that that's a roadmap for the majority of the stock market today. Now, a lot of experts are talking or predicting a so-called Santa rally um, you know, through the holidays. I wanna get your thoughts on that and what that means uh, for the overall economy. Look, I did some calculation on this back about a month ago, which gave us conviction to stay with our short position. And I'm very much aware of the seasonality of December that tends to be very positive for the market. However, what people don't see it is that when you are entering a year where year-to-date performance is actually negative, the average performance from November to the end of the year is actually quite negative on an average or on a median basis. And so that gave us conviction to stay uh, on course with our positioning in the portfolio. Um, and that's sort of what we're seeing now. Um, now, in terms of the severe part of the recession, I mean, one thing is when you take the interest rates from zero to 4% in terms of the tightening of liquidity and monetary conditions. The other thing is when you go from four to 6% or so, that range is when you start seeing the, the, uh, some of the frauds being revealed, some of the other issues regarding um, you know, companies that, that are not as strong fundamentally as, as, as other folks may think they are. And so I think we're sort of at that phase now. And uh, so the first quarter of 2023, I think, will be quite negative uh, for the risky assets as a whole. And I think there's a lot of ways to capitalize on this downturn. I mean, corporate spreads, for instance, corporate spreads are still near record lows. We're still sub 2% on credit spreads. Uh, at a time when Nasdaq is already down close to 35%. Uh, you look at other things like VIX. VIX is cheap right now. VIX should be a lot higher. When the market's down as much as it is uh, already in some parts of it, you would expect the volatility to be way higher, but volatility is still quite cheap. So I think we have to see yet uh, this sort of this functional side of the market that I, you know, I'm expecting to uh, see some sort of credit event in the next uh, three months or so. Tavi Costa, really appreciate you joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.